Welcome to the e-commerce lab by Ecomsi. This is the place for everything related to Amazon private label and e-commerce. Learn exactly what you need to start or scale your business. Get insights from the top industry experts who will discuss the latest trends and best practices in the world of Amazon. From choosing products and sourcing from a supplier to setting up your Amazon account and marketing your business, you will hear it here. Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Lab by Ecomsi. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, founder and CEO of Ecomsi. Today, we have another special guest. Her name is Elizabeth Green, and she's the co-founder of Jungor, which is an Amazon ads management agency. Today's topic is going to be around what are the best practices and tips around everything that has to do with Amazon PPC optimization. Now, without any further delay, Elizabeth, let me introduce you. How are you doing today? Good, good. I'm doing good. How are you? Happy to be here. Good, good. I mean, it's a pleasure to have you. I have seen all your posts in LinkedIn. I know you share a lot of content, blogs, uh, other podcasts. So for sure, when I was seeing all the strategies and tips you were sharing out there, I thought to myself, yeah, you need to definitely come into my podcast. You have so much knowledge and experience in the space. So it's a pleasure to have you for sure. Well, thanks. I'm flattered. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> Great. So before we get started with today's topic, I usually like to give a few minutes to my guests to introduce yourself in more depth, just about maybe where you're from, where you're based, what you do, and how you got started into the Amazon space. And then we can for sure jump into today's questions. Yeah? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll try and give the nutshell version of it. Um, so <laughs> sure. we're going a little over three years now as an agency. Um, as far as getting into it, I kind of feel like I fell into it. Um, <laughs> yeah. We, for the longest time, me and my husband were working to do something because uh, working online gives just a lot of freedom. Um, so his background, his family is very, very entrepreneurial, um, but That's they work great. more in construction, uh, which is definitely a situational based and you have to show up every day um, to yeah. different locations versus being able to stay in one central location, uh, which is one For of the sure. benefits of being able to work from home. Um, so all of our team is remote. I like it that way because um, we got into it for the freedom of it. And so I prefer just to continue that. <laughs> um, and Great. yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, thank you for sharing. I think for sure, most of the people that jump into e-commerce, what we fall in love with is the freedom to do whatever we want with our time and location. Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest gift besides the money for sure. So yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think having that freedom, even myself, that's the main reason why I also left my job and started the agency. So we definitely have a lot in common on that. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Great. So um, I think let's start with today's topic, um, which of course is something that people request a lot, which I'm pretty sure you receive also a lot in your DMs and <laughs> your comments and people just asking for help and crying about PPC, how expensive it is, how to optimize it. So I think it's going to be great to start uh, with today's first question, which is usually if you can start touching around what are usually some of the basics you take in consideration uh, when are you you are starting to optimize an account that hasn't been optimized before yeah yeah um so actually i think all optimization starts with goals 
uh, that's that's a huge one, and I think that's a very overlooked topic um, because everyone just wants to dive into it. But the problem with optimization yeah. is you optimization, while it seems like it's a black box, and you're like, you know, when you hear that word, it it tells you absolutely nothing. Um, it's really difficult, and I get when you know someone says, "Oh my gosh, my A cost is really high," and they're like, yeah. "Optimize your campaign." Yes, yeah. but that's not helpful. <laughs> um, but what I think is really helpful is to take a step back from that and recognize that optimization is simply trying to move the needle toward a specific goal. Um, be that lowering a cost, be that you know lowering a cost typically means a little bit more profitability, or you might be in more of what I would consider like a launch or ranking phase. Where in that particular case, if you get too restrictive with the ads, it actually um, is detrimental to your end goal. Mm. So I think it's really, really important to um, take a step back, keep that in mind. Um, the things that we look at when um, we're trying to decipher what the actual goals are, um, us as an agency, it's a little bit easier because our clients tell us, um, but we definitely have to help them kind of come to that conclusion. Some brands come to us with a very definite conclusion. And so mm. we just build for that. Um, some mm. brands come to us because they're unsure and they need our expertise <laughs> to help them sort of decipher it. Um, but the things that I take into account is um, one, how much budget do you have? That that's a really like what does your capital yeah, look like if one. you're coming into it with very low capital yeah. um, and you need to be more profit conscious? How we're going to build out those accounts and how we're going to optimize is going to be much more strategic and much more, um, I would say, heavy handed in a way yes. than an account that's coming to us like we have a large budget and we're in a ranking yeah. phase. Those are two separate, like completely different accounts, completely sure. different optimizations. The basics are the same. We're still, you know, adjusting bids and moving things toward a goal, mm -hmm. but the actual like nuts and bolts and how we would treat things, um, I would say it's going to be vastly, vastly different. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's that's a big one. I think the budget is definitely what defines your strategy, because if you have just five hundred dollars per month, it's completely different strategy. If you have 10K mm -hmm. per month, I mean, you can explore uh, like sponsor brands, sponsor display advertising that's usually more expensive. So yeah, for sure, we have seen that as well. I think what people also sometimes wonder is that, I mean, most of the people that usually see this content is people that, of course, might not have that huge budget and they might mm -hmm. need to look for that advice around how they can optimize on their own using software tools or even manually. So I, I think what I want to start touching on is the manual side of things. It's usually the metrics you, you mm -hmm. would advise a person that has a low budget, like maybe 500 to 1000 per month. What are usually the metrics they should be focusing on in terms of looking at the reports, looking at the dashboard, having an understanding and see, okay, this is what I need to fix. These are the keywords I need to scale and these are the keywords I might need to remove. Yeah. Um, it's a good, good thing. So the other thing that definitely comes into play in addition to just how much budget you have is what are your profit margins? Um, if you're dealing with like low profit margins, you know, like say below 30%, then yeah. uh, again, you're just going to have less wiggle room um, yeah. than someone, you know, I, I'm hearing some people now that they've been able to source products that are in like the 45% profit margin. Like yeah. those, those two products are going to have completely different, um, sure. again, just what you, what you're able to do with them. Um, um, so we, if we have a limited budget, um, our like agency places a very high value. And I think any agency or any brand owner who's really in the data and really 
knows a lot about PPC, we always want to focus on where does the product fit in the market first? Because the thing that is very different about Amazon advertising versus a lot of other platforms out there, Google search is relatively similar, is we can't actually control the search volume. Um, and we're not going out and prospecting for traffic. What we're doing is we're harnessing traffic, putting the eyeballs on the product, and then yeah. you know your product should speak to the audience. And so what you need to do is you need to find the right audience for your product. Um, yeah. And so how you do that is just by picking the right keywords. And so we like to say, we like to get highly relevant keywords. Highly relevant keywords can be found, um, they adequately describe your product. And there's some keywords where you're not 100% sure, you're like, I think this is my product, I don't, go yeah. type in it on Amazon, see what shows up on the page, does your product fit on the page? Because yeah. rankings on Amazon for a lot of it are determined by the sales volume. So you know yeah. if something has a high amount of sales volume, those are the products that are being most purchased through that particular search. So if you fit on the page, you can have a good idea that your product is going to speak to those shoppers if it's you know somewhat related. Yeah, for sure. I think um, now that you mentioned that around ranking, I think a lot of people don't understand that sometimes in some scenarios, it's worth it to have a high ACO, ACO sorry, as long as the tackles, in, which is the bottom line, is slow. Because you need to understand for sure that as you start generating sales on those keywords, your organic ranking is going to improve, right? So, mm -hmm. which actually makes me jump to my next question, which is how you optimize the campaigns by also taking in consideration your organic position because i know some people might say okay if i'm already on page one organically i'm not going to advertise i'm going to turn off my ppc so how would you advise people to optimize their campaigns by also having a look at the organic position on on those keywords yeah yeah so i'm actually working on a presentation now that's all about deciphering yeah. numbers that's and great there is <laughs> So everyone knows about ACOS, or if you're in Amazon advertising, you should know about ACOS. Tacos sure. <laughs> is also becoming more and more in vogue to talk about because everyone's recognizing that this is a number that relates to your entire account versus um, just looking campaign. at your ads in isolation. Yeah. Correct. There is a third number, which a lot of savvy advertisers talk about, but I don't think it's become as mainstream, um, which is the ratio of your ad orders to your organic orders. So mm. basically how much of your entire orders are driven through the ad platform. Um, yeah. And so that's actually going to be a really important number when you're going after rankings and you're trying to look at, should I pull back on my um, ads at all? If I'm, if I'm ranked. So you want to be tracking your ACOS. Of course, I would calculate tacos. I would Say that's more important in this scenario but i would also calculate the percentage of ad orders and all you got to do is you got to go and take your ad sales divide that by your total orders across the same date range that's you know calculate that as a percentage you're going to get a percentage and yeah. you just say okay um if i am ranked very well and like 70 percent of my orders are coming from my ads versus my organic maybe i can pull back a little bit if i have good rankings and at that point yeah. what you should be doing I'm not saying turn it off, like don't turn it yeah, off because what's sure. going to happen nah. is you'll turn yeah. off and all of a sudden you have no visibility oh, and does. that can go bad. And it might take you a couple months to really feel that impact, but you will eventually feel that impact. So my yeah. advice is always dial it down to, you yeah. know, a little bit, get Lower middle, you know, if you've been sitting at the top of the page forever, maybe get the middle of the page. The other thing is 
that the top of the page is becoming so saturated right now that used to be, you know, if you had rankings, even five, you were above the fold. That's not the case anymore. You might have one or two spots that are organic. Everything else is paid. So, you know, you may see a significant decrease, but at that point, if you're dialing it down instead of completely shutting it off, and I would do this in increments, um, then you can track your total sales. You can look at your other ratios and be like, okay, this is sustaining. We're good. Nope. All of a sudden it dropped for a couple of weeks. Like maybe we need to turn it back on. And then at that point you're just playing with dials. That's great. Um, and when it comes to doing these testings and this optimization of the campaigns, which I think is also a question people ask a lot is how often will you advise making these changes and optimize the campaigns? Because the thing is some people think that by making changes on a daily, hourly basis, that's going to make the PPC better. But the reality, uh, it reaches a point that you're guessing because you don't have enough data, right? So what is usually the wind of time? I know this might change for sure depending on the budget, but usually what is the time you would advise people to wait before changing completely everything without really any data to back that up? Oh, yeah. So if it's for new stuff, I mean, ideally... You know, you might get seven days data because you have the seven day attribution window for sponsor products. Um, However, if by day three you have 100 clicks and no sales, you probably have, you know, enough. I wouldn't say shut it off at that point. Possibly 100 clicks is quite a bit. You know, you might have a lagging sale. But at that point, um, your lagging sale numbers, because, okay, so what happens is someone clicks on your ad right? Amazon records that click seven days out. If within that seven day window, they go and they add it back to their cart, or maybe it's sitting in their cart and then they finally make their purchase that will be attributed towards that click. Yeah. I would say most Amazon shoppers, unless it's a high ticket item and then you get longer, you know, lower conversion rates, longer windows, but typically speaking, most people are going to purchase same day. So what you're waiting is, is for that update on that lag. But like I said, if you got hundred clicks and no sales, you're saying yeah. <laughs> no one bought just then, you For know, sure. and you waited, yeah. you waited at least a couple of days, you know, say so probably about three days because they say it's a 24 hour. Well, they say it's a 12 hour update. It used to be 24 officially. They used to say 48. <laughs> so for me, yeah. I'd rather rate the 48 days if I can, at least to see what those numbers shake out to because you'll see wild swings. <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly frank, you see wild, you know, you will see, data updates on same day up to like 30 days out. That's a yes. thing. Um, however, mm-hmm. I don't think it's prudent to wait 30 <laughs> days to make any changes whatsoever. Um, yeah. So our cadence is a couple times a week um, and we actually look at various date ranges. Um, so there's, I'm a big fan of weighing pros and cons and determining which of each of them you think has the least amount of cons and then trying yeah. to make adjustments for the possible cons that come with it. Um, So what we've done is if you look at shorter date ranges, you're viewing what's happening in the most recent time frame. Um, You can catch, you know, quick performance swings. There are times where certain like, you know, you get a poor review and all of a sudden the conversion rate goes down and you see a spike. Like those things happen and they're happening in real time. So we do want to account for that. That being said, data delay. (laughs) If you're always looking at shorter date ranges, first off, you'll have like those keywords that get little to no interactions just due to low search volumes. And if you're only ever looking at short ranges, you're never going to catch that in the long run. 
Um, That's correct. And then the other thing is you might have keywords that are really good, but if you're looking at short ranges, you're kind of over-optimizing things. So we kind of look at two um, and just kind of weigh, again, pros and cons of doing each and that's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's that perfectly matches what we do as well. I think if you don't give enough time, we end up, I mean, we have seen people ending in gazing. You just keep doing changes because you think based on your knowledge, that's the best keyword. But then after 30 days, when you get all the data, it's not the reality <laughs> for sure. <Yeah. laughs> great. So, um, I mean, when you do optimization, of course, it has to do with uh, adjusting the budget, the bids. And I think now I want to touch on the bids themselves. Mm -hmm. I know some people like to create the bids around their keywords based on the profit margins. So they take in consideration the profit margin, what is the budget, and based on that, they calculate their bids to keep a specific ACOS. But the reality is that in some categories and some niches, if you bid on that bid that makes sense for you, you might end up never getting any clicks or any impressions, right? So yeah. whenever you come to create the bids uh, for optimization on specific keywords, do you focus a lot on what is the recommended bid by Amazon, or you usually like to start with a bid that makes sense for the client and then slowly increase it if it's required to? Are you talking about for starting bids? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Um, so three things to take into account. One, how important the keyword is. If this is a keyword that we need to rank on and we're in a honeymoon period, we probably need to be more aggressive on it. Two yeah. is going to be client budgets. So, and <laughs> then the client risk, risk tolerance. Um, so certain, and there'll be certain products where the client's like, hey, I'm testing this. This is not really a product that like, I absolutely think is a winner. Let's, you know, we have limited budgets for it. Let's ease into it. So we typically present it like, hey, are you fine with easing into it? This could take more time to gather data. You know, typically you don't lose as much, but the, the time frame to really figure out things is more long. Yeah. Um, or we'll say, hey, we'll go out of the gate. We, you know, based on what the recommended bids are, we're expecting to spend this much. We'll probably pick a narrow set of keywords to go super aggressive on. Um, if you are starting like higher than the recommended bids in Amazon, yeah. which at this point, a lot of times you're talking a couple dollars, sometimes yeah, three or four, sure. depending on. It's not just on 10%. The keyword. <laughs> right. So at this, at that point, um, if those are what your recommended bids look like, I wouldn't launch with 150 keywords. Like maybe just pick five. Mm and go yeah. there and get the data back and then make adjustments from there. Um, so again, how important is it? Um, what's kind of our risk, risk tolerance and what our budget is? We'll determine where we fall on that. That's correct. Um, and when it comes to then, once you start getting the data and you jump into optimizing these initial bids um, and the campaigns overall, I know there is also this uh, argument online that some people like to use just bid adjustment and some people like to use negative keywords. So I wanted to get your 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 touch on that is like you like to use negative keywords and if not why and what is your your view on on this topic about, around optimizing with negative keywords or optimizing just with bits when it comes to campaign um like I know it's a trick. It's a trick yeah. It depends. <laughs> um, yeah. So I will say my default is to err on the side of less negative keywords. 
I yes. don't use search on my installation. And if something is working in a campaign, even if we do convert that search to an additional keyword, I'm not a huge fan of cutting it off at the initial source just due to the fact yeah. there is no guarantees that you're going to replicate performance mm -hmm. when retargeting. Um, so Perfect. I like to hedge my bets and just say, hey, if it's working, it's working. That's that's my yeah. philosophy on everything. Yeah. If it works, it's not stupid. So let it work. Yeah. Um, For sure. And so... However, I do recognize that there's always going to be the outlying use case. For instance, there are certain clients or certain brands where the budgets are very low and we're very, very tight on our profit margins. Um, there are certain times where like say an auto or a broad or something will pick up on what is technically your main keyword, but the expense on that is just too much for you to sustain currently. And although it's a good keyword for you, although it's one that we would want to target eventually, sometimes, yeah. especially in the autos, those will just end up spending so much on those top keywords that you really don't have the ability to um, really test everything else. So in those specific use cases, even though that's not something I do because I don't typically negate keywords that are relevant, or search yes. terms that are relevant to products, I believe there are certain use cases where it makes logical sense to do so. Um, yes, so again, for sure. Yeah. Like when, for example, a, a quick example just on that, it might be if your campaign starts showing you for very generic uh, broad key, mm -hmm. uh, keywords that don't make sense to your product or brands that don't make sense to your product or features, colors. So I think for sure that's when negative keywords play a big role. Yeah, Yeah. great. So um, now when it comes to optimization, um, I know this might slightly change depending on the type of campaigns, because for example, with sponsored product campaigns, we are always more focused toward getting the sales directly on the product. But when we start using sponsored brands and sponsored display, most of the time the objective is more around brand awareness, right? Getting those expressions, creating that halo effect around your brand. So what do you usually see as a main difference when it comes to optimizing this two type of campaigns, if there's any, uh, if you can briefly touch on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it goes back to goals. I think you definitely can utilize like um, sponsor display product targeting ads, or if you're being very specific on what keywords you're using for sponsor brand ads, there's definitely ways to use those ad types more bottom of the funnel as well. Yes. Um, so mm -hmm. I think it just goes back to objectives. Uh, certain brands are like, not cool <laughs> saying like, hey, we got all these impressions and you know, yeah, it's the right, it looks like good. That. we're getting yeah. brand recognition. Um, yeah. There are certain products where it does make sense, especially if you're looking at products with like subscribe and saves or repeat purchases. Yes. And that's definitely something you can track. Like Amazon will give you new to brand metrics. Um, and you also can look at kind of like your ratios of subscribe and saves. Is that going up? Um, especially products where uh, the cost per clicks are very high, you know, like supplements and things like that. Like it's yeah. astronomical and it's crazy. crazy um, but yeah. there, it definitely makes sense to track those numbers because at the end of the day, whatever is the true representation of what you're actually getting in your sales and your profits, um, that's yeah. how it should be calculated. Great. Okay. That's very nice. Um, now, let's say you are managing a campaign a, or a, an account that has more than 10 products, 15, 20 products. I think at that stage, some people might start thinking, okay, maybe I need to introduce some software here to help me with the optimization of my campaigns. So this is basically where I want to bring my next questions, which is 
do you advise people start implementing software when it comes to optimization? Or what is usually your thought about implementing these kind of tools we see out there when it comes to PPC optimization? Uh, yeah, so I think it depends on what, you, what you're able to manage. Um, yeah, so there are, we still manage mostly through bulk files. I do recognize that there are benefits to software. Um, it's definitely yeah. scalable. So if you're having issues with just not being able to deal with um, like the, the sheer amount of campaigns or the sheer amount of products in your ad account, at that point, um, software would probably be a good um, idea for you. So we still manage okay. like clothing accounts that we're talking thousands of SKUs and multi-layer yeah. listings through bulk files. So it's entirely okay. possible to do things in a way that still um, has some automations in place because we have our own systems for dealing with that. Yeah. Um, it's possible. Um, it does get a little bit more technical. Yeah. I like the technical <laughs> aspect. I that's like great, to say, yeah. like, this is yeah. what I want. I'm going to build it. That's me. Um, you might yeah. not think that's fun. And that's perfectly yeah. fine. <laughs> sure. um, so I think the most important thing is, one, do what it is that you can realistically manage. Um, I definitely think there's, like, a best way of doing things and then a way that's sustainable. So the best thing to do is kind of, like, find the good balance for you in between those two. Um, and then, yeah, so there, I mean, there's good software out there. Um, I think it's also important to find a software that's going to mesh with your natural ad philosophy. Um, yes. So there's certain um, things out there that definitely focus more on like search term isolation tactics. Um, and then there's other ones that aren't really geared to that so much. Um, if you're coming from an account that doesn't want to use search term isolation um, and then you're mainly focusing on a product that offers that, it's probably not a good fit. Um, so yes. you just... You know, you need to figure out which software is going to be able to give you what it is that you need. Yeah, for sure. And I think a lot of people also fall in the trap that they think having a software, it, that means you don't need anymore somebody managing your campaigns and they put 24-7 automatic bits, automatic recommendations. They don't even look at the campaigns anymore. And we have seen those accounts. It's, it's definitely a nightmare. So I think for sure the best approach, at least based on experience, is an hybrid. I mean, if you don't like too much of the complication, like you have 50% 24-7 software, and you can have the other 50% where a human uh, team goes in and mm -hmm. do the more high-level strategy of those yeah. campaigns. Yeah, absolutely. Great. So I think now to start wrapping up today's episode, my last question would be, what is usually the main mistakes you see people do when optimizing their campaigns? And what is usually a tip you would advise on top of that to help them uh, be as efficient mm. as possible when it comes to optimization. If you can think of any, if not, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, main mistakes, probably two part. Um, one would be <laughs> picking the wrong keywords, um, mm. going after the wrong targets, getting emotionally tied <laughs> yeah. to keywords. Me as sort of a third, you know, second party manager, I still have these keywords. I'm like, why is this not working for the product? This is exactly the product. It makes no sense. It's not converting. But yeah. at the end of the day, God is telling me it's not converting. I need to go with what the market's actually telling me, not what I want to happen. Um, and then the same thing goes, especially for brand owners. Like, this is my top keyword. I need to rank on this one. It's got 100,000 search volume. Look at all my possible sales. Um, yeah. And then more experienced marketers would say, yes, but the 
reviews needed to get there, the sales velocity needed to get there, not to mention the ad spend needed to get there is more than you can sustain right now. Um, so you need to start where it is that you can start. And if that's on lower volume and less, you know, less volume in the space, but you can do that in a more sustainable way, um, that's actually where you're going to want to start. So uh, keyword selection is huge. Um, and yeah. then in addition to keyword selection, um, also not, um, not recognizing that all keywords are not created equal. Um, for our product. So if you have a keyword that is um, working very well for your product, but like say you're like, I need 25% ACOS across the board and <laughs> everything <laughs> needs to be optimized for that. If you have a yeah. keyword that's getting a lot of sales velocity for your product, you're getting a lot of orders for it and you can see those rankings start to climb um, and you're like, yeah. oh, nope, it's at 35%, I need 25 yeah. and you just cut it off. You'll most likely see a decrease in performance and which can hurt your total sales and then ultimately your brand overall. Um, so being able to um, just kind of, I don't know, put like hedges or gates around what you're yes, doing with certain keywords sure. um, definitely is going to help you in the long run. Thank you. I mean, yeah, that's an amazing tip. Thank you for sharing that. Appreciate it. So yeah. great. I think um, let's conclude today's episode. First, I want to thank you once again for coming. I mean, all the knowledge you dropped today is very valuable. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, and before I finish, uh, I want to give you the opportunity to, of course, share all your social media channels, your website, your agency, where people can find you. And for sure, we're going we're gonna to put all that on the description as well. Yeah, cool. That sounds good. Um, so if you just want to snoop on what I'm talking about on PPC, <laughs> uh, the best place to do that would be to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, yes. If you're interested <laughs> in working with us, you definitely can hit up our website, which is jungler.com, J-U-N-G-L-R.com. Um, form at the bottom and you can hit us up there. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. So yeah, definitely see you on the next one and take care. Okay. Thank you for coming. Yeah, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website at www.ecomc.com where you can get your first consultation for free. Or... Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at ecomc.